0: Welcome. My name is Greg Miller, and I'm the pastor of the Filling Station Church in Kansas City, Missouri. And I want to welcome you to the segment called Fuel from the Filling Station. And today we're going to be studying a passage from Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. And that reads, The priest did not say, Where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The shepherds have transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, I will contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your children's children will I contend. For cross the coast of Cyprus and see, or send to Kedar and examine with care. See if there has been such a thing. Has a nation? changed its gods, even though there are no gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked and utterly desolate. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns which cannot hold water the prophet Jeremiah is prophesying in the day, uh, when God's people had, uh, departed from the Lord. And, uh, Jeremiah is giving a message to the people, as well as the leadership, exhorting them, uh, to return to the Lord and to repent from their ways. So in chapter two, and verse eight, uh, the prophets state that the priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handle the law don't know me. During this period of time, it was the priest's responsibility uh, to not only to attend to the sanctuary, but also to teach the law to the people of God. In Malachi chapter 2 in verse 7, it says, for the lips of the priest should keep knowledge, for they should seek the law at their mouth, for they are the messengers of the Lord of hosts. So when the scriptures say that the priest didn't say, where is the Lord? What the prophet is implying was that there was an absence of God's presence and those who should have known and understood God's presence did not know that God was missing in the midst of his people. Now we know that God is on my presence. He's everywhere. But in this particular sense, Uh, The scripture is speaking about uh, the presence of God among his people that's made known and manifested. So again, the people uh, didn't understand that God was absent because the leaders didn't understand that God was absent. And so in Exodus chapter 33 and 14, Moses gives us some insight on how the people of God should value God's presence in Exodus 33 and 14. It says, and he said, this is God speaking to Moses, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Then he, Moses, said unto him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, and that I am your people. Is it, in, is it not by you going with us, so that we, your people, may be distinguished from all other people of the earth? So what Moses was saying was, if Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. And then he makes this statement and says, How can it be known that we are your people if your presence doesn't go with us? So Moses understood that what distinguished the people of God above all other people of the earth was God's presence. And back to the account of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is saying that the priests did not understand that the Lord was not presence, neither did they value the Lord's presence. So again, the priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handle the law don't know me. And I think that when you connect the dots, uh, the scripture is saying that the reason why they didn't understand that God was absent was because they did not know God. Then the latter part of uh, chapter two and verse eight in Jeremiah It says, the shepherds have transgressed against me, and the prophets have prophesied by Baal and went after things that did not profit. So in verse 8 of chapter 2 of Jeremiah, Jeremiah talks about the leadership as a whole. He says, the priest didn't understand that the Lord was absent. The shepherds have transgressed against him, and the prophets prophesied by Baal. In other words, they didn't prophesy by the, the mouth of God, but they prophesied by the spirit of Baal. And Jeremiah gives a, a, another, uh, another indication of uh, false prophecy going on during this time. In Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 16, he says, don't listen to the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain because they speak a vision of their own heart and not from the mouth of the Lord. Every prophetic word and every teaching has a spiritual source. Either it's coming from the Lord or from the Holy Spirit, or it's coming from Satan. So the scripture tells us and exhorts us also in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So this sad commentary that Jeremiah is giving on the leadership explains why the people were wayward. The people were wayward because the leadership was wayward. And even though Jeremiah spoke thousands of years ago, I think this situation is still fitting uh, within the church today. As the leader goes, so goes the people. When the leadership is corrupt and don't appreciate or understand the value of God's presence, neither does the people. When the shepherds transgress, so does the people. And when people prophesy not by the Spirit of God, But from Satan, the people go astray. So then in verse 9, the prophet Jeremiah uses a a courtroom terminology when he talks about uh, the Lord bringing a charge against Israel. And in this passage, he's speaking about God in terms of being the plaintiff, or in other words, the one bringing the charge. God also being the prosecutor, and also God being the judge. Now Listen to verse 9. He said, therefore, I will contend with you. Of course, again, that's a judicial term, declares the Lord. <clears throat> and with your children's children will I contend. For cross to the coast of Cyprus and sea, or send to Kedar and examine with care to see if there has been such a thing. So again, God is bringing Israel into a, an imaginary court of law, again, where he's the plaintiff. He's bringing a charge against them. He's prosecuting them because of their sin. And then finally, he's going judge, to judge them. And then God shows them how even the pagans who worship false gods Don't change their gods. They are true to their gods, even though they're false. But the people of God who serve the true and the living God has exchanged the true and the living God for false gods. That's what he means by uh, what he says in verse 10. He says to cross to the coast of Cyprus, which is Gentile territory, and see or send to Kedar, which is also Gentile territory, and examine which care, see if there has been such a thing. Then he says in verse 11, Has a nation changed its gods, even though there are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. So again, he's talking about the pagans being faithful and dedicated to their gods, even though they're not real gods, but how God's people serve uh, supposedly serve the true and the living God, but they've exchanged them for false gods. In other words, he was saying even the pagans who worship false gods has more sense than the people of God because their God is the true and the living God and they have exchanged him for a cheap substitute. I want you to notice something at the latter part of verse uh, uh, verse 11. He says, but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. So he uses the the, the Hebrew word glory is kabod, and it means weight, which speaks of uh, God's glory is the sum total of all who God is. Now, notice this. He said they have exchanged their glory, or the weight sum total of all who God is, to for that which profits nothing. In other words, the people of God, because of their idolatry, has given up everything—the glory and the weight—for nothing. That which does not profit. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 23, it says, For they exchanged the image of the glory of God for an image made like unto corruptible man. And so Romans chapter 1 and verse 23 gives us the same picture. They exchanged God's glory for an idol that can profit them nothing. And then in verse 12, he continues with this, courtroom language he says be appalled O heavens at this and be shocked be utterly desolate compares the lord uh, i'm sorry uh, declares the lord and so in other words uh, god is bringing the heavens and the earth into this imaginary courtroom drama again god is the plaintiff plaintiff he's the prosecutor and he's the judge now he's bringing in heaven and earth as a witness against God's people because of their sin. And so here is the charge that God brings against his people in verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. A cistern is simply... Uh, something that that was created back during that time, a vessel uh, that was supposed to hold rainwater, but they wore out very quickly. And so again, God is showing how his people have substituted him. He says, I am the fountain of living waters. In other words, I am the only life source in the same fashion that we cannot survive without water in a physical sense We can't survive without God, the living water, in a spiritual sense. And then he said, you have hewed out for yourselves cisterns. In other words, cisterns are something that is man-made, a man-made system, a man-made religion, a man-made way of worshiping God. And he said, you've substituted that which is real for that which is not. And so God lays the charge upon his people and also commands them to repent. Well, today is not too much different from Jeremiah's day because we have people in leadership today that have led God's people astray. There have been, there has been people in leadership today that has misrepresented God and has created a spirit of idolatry in the church through their falsehood and their false teaching. And even as God commanded them to repent during that time, he commands us to repent today. Well, I pray that you were challenged in this podcast. Uh, God is challenging us today and bringing us back to holiness. God is challenging the leadership today, that the leadership should walk holy. And God is also commanding us to be loyal to the only one true and living God that we serve. Well, God bless you. And uh, I will be praying for you. I appreciate you taking time to listen to this podcast. And I will see you next time at Fuel from the Filling Station.